0: Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have a special guest, Chandler Smith, who has a background in CrossFit as a CrossFit Games athlete, but also a tremendous background in jiu-jitsu and wrestling. We dive into a variety of different subjects today, but the one that I was most kind of curious about is this idea of bridging the gap as a professional athlete in CrossFit and also concurrently training on the mats in Jiu Jitsu. So if you love Jiu Jitsu, it's a cool episode for you. If you love CrossFit, cool episode for you. If you're looking to learn a little bit more about both, man, this one's perfect for you. I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Chandler. He's an amazing guy with a great background, and I can't wait to see his success in the sport of CrossFit and also at ADCC Championships coming up. Before we dive into the episode, I want to remind you, if you're a gym owner or coach out there and you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective, I really think you should check it out. It's phenomenal. Session plans, programming, business tools, and if you're an athlete, you're in the gym, you're in your garage, you're looking for some extra motivation, you want to put in the effort with us at NC Fit, go ahead and check out the NC Fit app. Now, without any further conversation, let's dive an incredible episode with Chandler Smith. Let's go. All right, Chandler, this is a long time coming. I am excited to catch up with you all things fitness Jiu-Jitsu ADCC competition coming up. I cannot wait, Um, but I thought we'd start here. Let's just lay some framework. You've been competing in CrossFit for quite a while. You also had a significant background in wrestling. Um, What was growing up like? Where did you grow up at? What sports were you into? And how did you navigate into uh, eventually wrestling in college and and being very dominant
1: there? Dominance is a stretch, but... I was born in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, My parents were both Florida Gators. Um, My dad played football up there and he was in between teams. He was playing in the NFL at the time, but he was in between teams. and I think was back to get his master's degree. Um, And so they had me out there and then he played throughout the nineties and also got cut throughout the nineties, which means I moved a lot as a kid. So we stopped in Washington, um, in Arizona, and then ended up in Denver where he got his first coaching job as a strength conditioning coach coming up. So I spent most of my elementary and middle school um, hanging out in Denver, watching the Broncos and Jake Plummer and all those guys, which was a lot of fun. Um, After that, we moved to Kansas City. My dad got a head strength conditioning job. Sorry. Can I just
0: pause for a second? So your dad played in the NFL. What position did he play in the NFL? Fullback. Fullback. Oh, man. All right. So your dad was a fullback. Okay, I can only imagine his build because I know your build. So I imagine as you guys, he looks build? like you. What do you mean yeah, you uh, can only on. imagine? Uh, and so then he became a strength conditioning coach. So uh, just to kind of, uh, I guess, kind of clarify, how many cities did you guys end up moving to? Did you go just from Florida to Denver? Did you guys have a variety of different teams? Because I can only imagine the NFL life is not as glamorous as maybe some people think. Um, Maybe for some, of course it is, of course. But if you have to fight your way on a team every single year, every other year, that gets tough for the family. Was that was that what it was like, or did he kind of stick it in the place?
1: Um, he, I think we had like three or four teams that he played for when I was coming up, and then he coached for three. He coached for the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the Texans while I was like younger. Um, he's actually well, he was back with the Broncos, with the Cowboys now. So that's like ten teams over twenty years, which. Uh, I guess when you are over 30 years, so that's like stopping off every three years. So it's actually pretty similar, like an army lifestyle, which was interesting that like prepared me for that. You know, you're in one space, you see some of the same people around, because some of the coaches, you know, you'll end up at the same spot after a few years or everything. But um, it's definitely kind of itinerant, which is a little hard on you as a kid, but you also learn some cool skills from it as well. Wow. Okay. So then
0: your family's bouncing around a little bit. He's, he's moving the strength condition coach, which I can't imagine a better. I mean, that's really, that's a cool upbringing, especially for someone like you who's interested in fitness or was that always kind of a part of the way it is at, at, at your house? Did you guys just always, what kind of sports were you into? You guys were always training. How did that look like?
1: Uh, yeah, I definitely uh, came up wanting to be a pro athlete. I mean, every kid wants to, but when you're around it all the time, you know, like when uh, like, Pat, I remember Pat Tillman coming over to the house for dinner at time, or hanging out with Jake Plummer and Jerry Rice. All these people coming up. Like when you're around this, uh, that that stuff as a kid, I think it makes you see how those people work, what they do, and it makes it feel a little bit more tangible. Um, so I was always around and knew I wanted to do sports, but I also kind of was into training earlier because I was. If I ever went to go see my dad, every little kid thinks that you know their dad's the coolest and everything. So uh, being in in gyms and like you know, you'll try to hop on a machine, try to do some pull-ups or whatever just that because kids are running around and um you just want to try everything and get touches on it and stuff so um i i didn't like start training intensely until high school but i had familiarity with a lot of the movements and implements types of training and um, the information was there once i was right in a place to start absorbing it yeah i feel like that's
0: similar to the way my kids are i mean they're, they're just exposed so much to the gym because you know we own gyms we have it in the garage and um we have a little rule here. It's like, just sweat once a day. I don't care what you do. You can jump on the trampoline. You can go in the garage. You can do anything you want. You just gotta sweat once a day. Get in some type of movement. Um, but I'm curious, so growing up, uh, did you wrestle the whole time or did you play
1: football or, I mean, I imagine you played football, right? Yeah, I definitely played football. I was a bit of a late comer to wrestling. Also, I wanna say, I like that rule like a lot. I don't, I think I got some time before I'm a parent, but I like, that was like probably the best way to relate fitness to kids. I really like that, so. I will steal it, and I probably won't tell my kids that I got it from you, so that way they oh, think hey, that dad's dad's smarter it, than what he is.
0: Do you steal it, take it. But the whole idea of sweat once a day—not uh, to go off on a tangent, but it's just this idea that, like, I don't want to force my children into doing what I like to do, which is working on the garage or going to the gym or whatever. I want them to find something that inspires them because that's going to help them kind of have fitness in their life for the rest of their life, and and also yeah. realize like this is not like a just a kid commitment or a middle age commitment. This is a lifelong commitment. And I sweat once a day. My wife sweats once a day, you know, at a minimum, of course. Right. But, yeah. and I mean, and I think that's the key is to get the heart rate up and get them moving. So, yeah, man, rob and steal it, take
1: it. It's all good, man. No, that's super good. So I'll make sure I give give credit where credit's due. Uh, but I, I did end up getting into wrestling a little bit later than most. Uh, I realized that I was not going to make the freshman basketball team, the A or the B team, because I was terrible and i was five two and just not good at basketball so that's like a a very bad mix of qualities to have and so i started wrestling my freshman year of high school um i was actually telling the story a couple of days ago like i forgot that i tried to quit and that there was like such a butterfly effect moment um as i wrestled i did okay like i think i won a bunch of matches on the freshman side didn't start varsity got beat up by the older guys but as the season was finishing um and my freshman season was over. There's like, you're trying to train the seniors, get them ready for state and everything. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm sick of getting beat up. I want, I'm trying to play football in college anyways. I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to quit the wrestling team. So I quit. And um, the guy who was our team captain at the time, he was getting ready to head to West Point to play football. Captain, D- or Doug McFarlane. Uh, I think he's probably about to be a major now. And he was our team captain. And then our assistant coach was an ex-West Point wrestler from the class of 1972. Mage Damis, rest in peace, amazing man. And they, Coach Damus told Doug to go to the commons and grab me. He grabbed me, brought me back. I was like, oh, I quit. And he was like, no, you haven't. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I have. And he brought me back. And like that, from that moment on, I was kind of like bought into wrestling more than I had been. And I also kind of was probably more bought in the idea of going to West Point. So that moment set me up for the next, really, pretty much the rest of my life. Since so many things came from deciding to continue to wrestle and starting to think about West Point as a college option did you go to a
0: typical high school or or was it no because when i hear you say commons i'm thinking to myself there's something and to have a few of these guys both go to west point um was it like a feeder school in a west point is that what you went to or or no
1: no uh it was a or it, it is a catholic or a jesuit um all boys private school um out in kansas city Rockhurst high school uh, so definitely not a normal high school experience but also in its own way, it was very good preparation for a lot of things, uh, dealing with that all boys setup was good training for West Point and the army in a lot of ways, so yeah, glad nice. for it. Did you, go, did you go to school like that?
0: Yeah, I went to a, well, mine wasn't all boys, but it was a private Jesuit uh, oh. a, uh, high school. Well, my high school, uh, yeah, I went to private Catholic school my whole life and then my college at Santa Clara University was a Jesuit school, so. Yeah. I mean, nice. it's just not an all boys, uh, you know, situation. So, so you, 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 you want to, you, you end up wrestling freshman year, but then did you also play football freshman year. I imagine you had to, right?
1: Yeah. Football is huge at our school. Um, so played all four years without distinction, but we won state a couple of times. We're nationally ranked. That was, it was cool to be a part of, learned from a lot of folks who went on to do really amazing things. So um, yeah, I, I tried, but when you're, I graduated high school at five five one fifty five, 155, so that's not exactly, like, primetime football material. Wow, 5'5",
0: five, five, 155. And so then, when did you know you are going to go wrestle in college?
1: <sighs> I finished, um, I lost the state championship match for senior year in, like, double overtime and super devastated. And I was still kind of on the t- I knew I was going to go to West Point at that point, but I wanted to walk on the football team. And after that, I was kind of like, I have unfinished business with wrestling. Like, I don't want to end the career on that note. So um, it was probably after that where I was like, I'm going to wrestle in college. I'm going to figure out a way to make this thing be less painful, less painful of a memory than what it is at the moment. So
0: all throughout high school, you wrestled and uh, did football, two, right? Two pretty like... um, Two, two sports, that I think, require quite a bit of hard work. There's other sports, of course, that require hard work and yeah. grit and determination. But it's like growing up, um, was there any like, I mean, your dad being a strength player playing in the NFL, I mean, did he just lead by example or did he actually like take you, give you time to share with you insights or knowledge that you like? I'm curious, like what type of a leader was he?
1: Definitely more by example. He was really proud. Honestly, probably up until very recently, he uh, was probably... A, as strong and some of the modalities as, as the players still, uh, I know he hit a 500 pound bench press at 50 was one of his goals. And, uh, he's had more knee surgeries than I can count, but still squats and deadlifts and everything. And, um, he, he wasn't like, he was very intentional not to push me too early into it. Um, so I kind of got to discover that route on my own, but I did know what work in the weight room was going to look like because I, I got a chance to watch him or, you know, you'll know, like you pretend that you're spotting them and obviously it's not going to do anything. If, you know, 400 pounds crash down this chest or something, I'm just <laughs> going to I'm going to get in the way. But uh, you like get when you get to see these things close up, I, it makes such a huge difference. So um, that did kind of show me what I needed to do once I was ready to start lifting, which was high school. He had a very strict like no, I could I couldn't like seriously start training until um, high school football weightlifting started going into my freshman year.
0: I'm curious about that just from a training kids perspective. It's something I'm very interested in as of lately. Um, looking back on it, do you think that, uh, because there's always a stigma like, oh, if you weight train too early, you are going to stump your growth and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Do you have any opinion on that? Or, I mean, th- your only exposure was that you waited till your high school to start
1: loading up, but do you think you could have loaded earlier? Moderate? I think, I, I, think I could have. Um, there's plenty of kids that start early. I've known Morgan, Morgan McCullough is one of the best 102 kilo lifters in the United States. I've known him since he was like nine or something and he's been lifting since then. But what I think that I think the advantage of waiting was that it was something I kind of got to decide uh, on my own. So I didn't get burned out because in wrestling um, you see a lot of burnout. And I, I think that's the, the main thing you could do as a, or at least in my mind, like one of the best things you can do as a parent is make sure that your kids decide that they like the sport, not that they like it because you like it or you want them to. Um, so that was kind of a forcing function to make me decide, like, if I really wanted to do it versus building a relationship with it, that uh, I only did this because I was told to or because I was like, kind of forced to.
0: Yeah, that's, huh. that's, a, that's an interesting perspective. I didn't really think about I, I'm thinking more like from a physical perspective, but you're talking about from a mindset perspective. And so you go on to go wrestle at West Point, And then you get into the military, obviously. And so then, when did you get introduced to CrossFit? I mean, you were essentially doing CrossFit for wrestling training. I mean, that's it's all I mean, I imagine there's a lot of similarities between the way you were training for your matches and in, in wrestling to the way that you're training now, more or
1: less. Or am I completely off base there? No, you're, you're spot on. It's actually, um, it's, it's amazing how much carryover there is. You'll do a lot of low and slow, like traditional cardio, but a wrestling match is seven minutes long, so that's a like a mixed kind of anaerobic aerobic effort. So there's sprint intervals or sprint goes like shorter, like 30 second positional goes kind of like we do in jujitsu. You have those interspersed with long runs. You lift, you do like Olympic lifts, you walk in your handstands kind of building. Like they they talk a lot about proprioception and mat sense and everything. Um, And you build that by handstand walk in, you do a lot of pulling, like so pull-ups and legless rope climbs, the training. It's there's so much stuff where I'll be like, Oh, I remember like the first time I, I did this and you know, having that reservoir of experience for some of these movements is super helpful there's a pegboard in like almost every high school wrestling room so a lot a lot of stuff um is is pretty familiar and the training kind of is really similar but i started in 2010 uh watching a video of the old sectionals uh and seeing some of the some of the folks you that you were competing against back then got me fired up and i think i sent a few messages out but i'll never forget spencer Hendel messaged me back and from that moment on I was I was hooked I looked up like military training and CrossFit came up and looked at the sectionals videos but having him respond was a huge deal and then kind of was all in from there dude that's awesome and so you're from a wrestling
0: perspective I guess kind of tie it all together like you spent years at West Point wrestling so you're not like a bad wrestler you're you're probably a really good wrestler and what type of lessons learned on there because I imagine the coaching you're in the military, you're in one of the hardest sports in the military. So I imagine just the overall people that were, were kind of gathered, they were all like-minded, right? Uh-huh. Hardworking, grind, just down for whatever. But I mean, what type of lessons can you learn or you took away from that experience? Because most people don't have it. I mean, including myself, I've never been a part of something like that. Um, anything stand out to you on that?
1: Yes, two-fold answer. One, it gives me—I got to put a little spiel in for army wrestling. Like the dudes that I got the chance to work with um, in the army wrestling room are some of the toughest people in the world. That we had, like, and if you took a snapshot of the the team from any point in time, you got future Navy SEALs, people across the Michigan Navy, like Army Rangers, guys in units that don't exist, like all sorts of stuff. Like, um, so it's the the barrier of to entry, uh, like you have to be a tough person just to be in there. They let me in just to like, you know, as a joke or something, but there was a lot of really tough folks. And so that, that's all lesson one, which is like how to suffer. I think that's something that we pride ourselves on a lot back then. The team's a lot better skill wise now, um, at wrestling. So it's not so much about trying to out tough or out condition your opponent as it was back then when we were bad, but that was something we really pride ourselves on was like, we will hurt more than any college wrestling team in the country. So that means like you're hurting more because you got to stay up late So we have more homework at West Point. You have your military duties. You hurt more because you we run longer or we train harder um, in the preseason. Like this concept of being really okay with suffering and hurting was lesson number one. And then I think lesson number two that I learned overall from wrestling was like just the power of consistency um, because it's such a technical sport. Um, any, any grappling art is, but to... You can be, I did, I wrestled for eight years and put a ton, a ton of time and energy in it and like didn't cap out anywhere near being um, the level of like CrossFitter that I was. But the lessons I learned for understanding that it might take you a decade to reach national level proficiency if you, if you already have like a genetic predisposition for that sport or something um, kind of helped me learn to like to dig in and just be okay with being the low man on the totem pole or being a newbie and a newcomer to something. Cause it wasn't, it's just a matter of time. If you really stuck with something and didn't let yourself get deterred over time, you'd at least maximize your talent capsule and your ability, your ability to like be as good as you possibly could be within whatever it is that you're pursuing.
0: So I want to, that's a good segue. Um, I think that's really interesting what you're sharing. So obviously there's a lot of bad dudes in that room who went on to go do amazing things. And, um, put in a lot of hard work, but I think you, you touch base on some of this consistency piece specifically with the grappling arts. And I, I agree with you fully. So I've been doing jujitsu now for six years. Um, you know, COVID obviously threw a little bit of a wrench in the system, but in general, I've had quite a bit of mat time. And like you said, there's always, always something to learn. And that's probably one of the most inspiring things about it is that like you said, you, you were wrestling for eight years. And some would say at an extremely high level, like the highest level. Some would, I mean, you could say. And yet you still didn't feel like you reached your peak because you tapped out just from a time perspective. There's so much more technique you could have learned, I imagine. And I that's one of the most inspiring things about jujitsu. So, how did that carry over to jujitsu? Because jujitsu is something that a lot of adults do, whereas wrestling, yes, it's a piece of jujitsu, but there's really no adult wrestling like if, if you're you know out of college you really can't access a wrestling club and so for people who are interested in the grappling arts jiu-jitsu becomes a very good alternative because it's available uh people just don't wrestle i don't know why i'm not quite sure but when did you get into jujitsu? jitsu and then how has that been uh learning new skills through jitsu because you know it's obviously a lot different than wrestling
1: yeah, it's actually funny you say there's no adult wrestling because that's how I got into jiu-jitsu. Um, <laughs> right? The summer, yeah, I came home for the, from the summer after uh, my first year of college, and I was there was no place for me to go and continue to get mat time. Um, and I think the reason you yeah, kind of asked this, I think wrestling is a lot harder on the body than jiu-jitsu. There's a, like, people always say, like, there's old man rolling, right? Like, if you're can be re- executing, like, a slow and controlled um, kind of method of jiu-jitsu, That's a lot easier on your joints. It's less explosive. You're not getting picked up and slammed and everything. So I think it has a lot more potential as a lifetime sport, which is why. uh, Especially in a gi, right? Yeah. The the gi is, which is why I don't like the gi. It's too slow. (laughs) (laughs) I got to be, I got to be able to bounce around a little bit, but I went back home to Kansas city and um, I was like, Hey, you guys have grappling classes. I wrestle in college. Can I come here? And they're like, sure. And I was like, yeah, it's gotta be pretty much the same thing. This was back in, 2011 2012 um and it turns out it's not the same thing it's uh it's way different and especially with the gi the learning curve is super steep they they always talk about how i think it's 50 percent of folks don't make it you know past white belt and then more than half of 50 more than half of people who make it to blue don't continue on it's because it's all there's always a bigger fish um, in a way that maybe wrestling doesn't quite have it's kind of segmented in high school you're only going to face the best high schoolers and you're only going to face the Mm. the best collegiate folks but there's a if a a black belt or you know pan am champ walks into the room um and you you have to roll against them and you're just a white belt there's no you don't get to say like hey take it easy on me or something like that you're just kind of thrown in those deep waters but yeah i started about a decade ago and i've been pretty consistent ever since i'm always up and down because I, I recognize that as a perspective in the past when I wanted to be a pro Crossfitter, and then now as a professional uh, Crossfit athlete, like that is, there's probably other things that I could do, but I feel like part of my edge and part of like who I am comes from that connection to the grappling arts. So it's something that I, I work pretty hard to keep opportunities open to do because I think without it, I'm not fully me. So, w- with that being said, what does training look like right now? Because you,
0: I'm looking back on some of the, um, some of your like uh, performances, right? So this last year uh, you competed at the games and I guess we'll, we'll talk about that. And then I want to kind of get back to your normal training uh, protocol. How, how do you feel like the games went? Um, awful. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. Because you made it to the second round of you, uh, you made it. How many days? You made it three days.
1: That seems right. Yeah, three days seems right. Okay.
0: And so then, so tell me, like, what, what was your overall experience? I mean, you trained hard. You were prepared. I mean, what, what what, do you think happened? I mean, obviously, just going to the games is a huge accomplishment. And performing as well as you did is great. But oh, you don't seem, obviously, very happy with it. What, what do you, what, what's your overall perspective there?
1: Um, I think I got away from some of the stuff maybe that I'd done before and to relate it back. Like I, I stopped ju, ju, doing jujitsu because I was like, all right, I'm spending time doing jujitsu. That's time that I'm not spending stretching or doing some of the other stuff. I just don't think I, I quite have found the the balance that um, will hopefully make me the, the best version of myself as a pro CrossFitter. I feel like as I'd had a lot of time to figure out my balance in the army, I'd kind of arrived upon an optimized solution for what I needed from a mental and like a kind of a holistic um, approach to it. Like I know I needed to be on the mat this much time. I know with morning PT, I was gonna get this much cardio so I could spend my afternoon CrossFit sessions needed to look like this, this, and this. And I just kind of had a rhythm, Um, but I got out of the army, finishing out of the army in May of this year. And I just don't think I developed a good enough training rhythm that balanced, uh, like had the right balance of things outside the gym and inside the gym in order to make me the best athlete I could be out there on game day. So yeah, I was definitely disappointed though. Cause you would think that with um, being able to focus on something full-time that the results would obviously follow, but it's not quite just like a one plus one equals two scenario. Cause you pivoted
0: out of the army full-time, right? Um, Cause you were in for how many
1: years? Six years commissioned. So that's after West Point.
0: That's after West Point. And so then, at that point, then, um, now you're a full-time professional cross-athlete, and now you train uh, with Ben in um, New England? Yep. Yes, sir. And, and so how's, how's training been going this year? I mean, how are you feeling leading up into the Open?
1: What, what, what's How are you feeling about it? Um, I probably feel as good as I felt in quite a while. Hopefully, I don't end up eating these words later. Uh, I think I'm going to get the chance to do Rogue, which is exciting, but I've been able whenever things go wrong right you get the chance to sit down and probably analyze them harder um than you would if things had gone okay and i say okay in the sense i finished 15 my first year at the games six uh second year and then 21st this year and 21st is also an important number within the games context because top 20 get paid 21st does not so if you're trying to like be a, a professional right um you can't be a professional without making money in the sport and so the amount of like reflection uh that we went through like both myself and Ben um I, I don't think it would have been that serious if I would have finished I'm, I don't want to say I would have been okay with it but if I would have finished like 15th of like, all right cool like you're still good enough you know but it's like hey you you have to fix this because you will not have a, a career in this if you continue to perform like this um so we've made a good degree of changes and I think um have brought some stuff back taken some stuff away just just kind of change the formula a little bit. So at the very least, uh, I feel more confident about it. And there's always a possibility too, uh, which I don't like thinking about, but it's just reality for every athlete in every sport. Like eventually the game does pass you by, you accumulate enough damage that your your longevity is gone and or the people get better and blah blah blah. Um, so nothing in athletics is forever. And I acknowledge that as you know, maybe people are catching up and improving, but I don't think I'm quite done yet. So I'm hoping yeah. that, uh, the results will bear that, um, out a little bit this next year.
0: Yeah. I don't think so either with your background and with what you're doing. I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think so. I think you have many more years left. And so speaking of that, like what does training look like? Cause it's really cool for me to talk to you because I'm a big fan of jujitsu. And I think that what happened with me is when I found CrossFit, this is like, I don't know, 16 years ago. I fell in love with this idea of learning new skills, right? The rope climb, the muscle up, whatever. And then over the next 15 years or so, or 12 years, I went out and met with all these different coaches, learned all these new skills. And for me to get better at, I don't know, the snatch, we're talking about like, you know, three pounds or .001, whatever. Whereas when I found jujitsu, Jitsu, I felt that same sense of like, wow, I'm learning a new skill, right? And it was inspiring for me. But then I feel like I'm doing that every single time I go. Oh, yeah. And for that, I feel like it's like an endless journey. Whereas in CrossFit, I made major headway in these specific items like handstand pushups or whatever. But then eventually, I don't wanna say you, you tap out cause you could always improve, but you hit a ceiling where you're not making the same incremental differences like you do in Jiu-Jitsu. Someone teaches you appropriate technique on an arm bar or side control or a snap down all of a sudden you could then go put that into action. It's just incredibly beneficial. So the reason why I love talking to you is because you have that different perspective. And so how do you, how do you segment out your training right now between the grappling arts, which I I like the way you describe that and more of your traditional CrossFit, do you do it like twice a week or what does that look like?
1: I think my, my best balance is twice a week, but also helping. I love coaching. Wrestling is like my passion. I think my, my long term dream job uh, would be trying to be in a position that Coach Davis and Coach White here, all my high school coaches were in where they were helping form young men and women um, by not women in high school, but in, like, you know, high school wrestling is available for right. uh, both. So like being in that position um, is like my my dream. So I, I feel that that fills up my cup a little bit. So coaching a day or helping out with a local program, that's huge to me. And I try to get on the mats twice a week. And that's pretty much, that's another reason why I'm most like a no-gi guy. Because um, I'm, com- I'm competitive in no-gi. And it also transfers over a little bit better towards uh, functional fitness. Because I think it's just uh, a little bit more taxing uh, cardiovascularly. But th- I love the fact that it's a totally different type of, stressor the wrong, wrong term. But I go in there and I know I'm going to lead every day. Uh, super tired, but also having learned something new. And that itch, you kind of mentioned it yourself, like it doesn't get scratched as much. Uh, I I don't know the last time I learned a new movement, like did something legitimately for the first time, uh, maybe holding like the the cheese stone at the games, but that's that's basically holding the sandbag, you know, like it's only so much different, but we're getting into the, I, I left for, I didn't do jujitsu this last year when I first moved to New England and the leg lock meta has improved, right? So now oh, I got to ashi and you know oh like all yeah stuff that- leg
0: entanglements is a real deal i went out and i trained with the i went to a gordon ryan and uh john Donaher seminar and man so just uh just you know the, the the leg entanglements are a whole new especially with nogi um but i think what's really unique and, and something you're discussing which i i don't think this has ever been discussed in the crossfit space which i i really love is you know our goal when i'm working at the gym and i'm teaching a class is three things i want to make sure people have fun because if they're not having fun, they're not going to come back. I want to make sure they get in a good workout and I want to make sure they learn something a little bit, right? And typically, with the athletes at the gym, it could be me giving a specific cue or it could be me giving something where they're like, oh, okay, he provided some type of value. But as you become a professional athlete and you train four, five, six hours a day, that little third nugget becomes harder to get, especially yeah. in the gym. But in the jujitsu gym, in my opinion, it's very easy, at least for me, to go in and feel like I'm getting all three of those, right? I feel like I'm learning something new. I'm getting a good workout and uh, you know, I'm having fun while I'm doing it. And the stimulus is, is unlike anything else that I could replicate off the mat. And that's the part that I think people should explore. Because when you're really going at it with someone, the level of exhaustion and then mental fatigue is, is really something special. And do you see, I carry over for
1: you? I mean, I imagine it does. I think it carries over on the the mentality side. Like I know if I can roll for 10 minutes that I can definitely make it through a Metcon for 10 minutes because the Metcon's not actively trying to injure me or tap me out. So if you can survive, you know, another human, especially one that's better than you, or even go, go past, survive an attack and, you know, find a submission, um, over that period of time, I think there's a mental edge in knowing that like uh, you can't hurt yourself any more than another person is is like willing to. Even, and it's it's simulated, obviously. But um, I, I've always felt that part of my edge is tied towards being proficient in combat sports because that's a as close as you can get to um, like simulated micro warfare uh, as as you can get. Like it's it's pretty intense in a way that a metcon or any any sort of workout can't be because you're always you can only push yourself so hard and we've we both have sure, pushed ourselves to the point where you're throwing throwing up after workout or going like there is there is that element of being able to go that hard on your own but you're always going to be able to find maybe a different level when someone else is pushing you into that, that yeah space. i mean
0: you know just to give some context here for people who are not as jiu-jitsu i think it's important to note there's gi jiu-jitsu there's no gi jiu-jitsu think about gi as like For lack of a better term, you're wearing a robe or almost like very thick pajamas. And it slows down the game because people can attach to grips and then hold you in specific positions. Now, for someone like Chandler, or even I'd say, you know, a little bit myself, but definitely for you with a wrestling background uh, or with a lot of good strength conditioning background, it favors you to go no-gi because people can't slow you down as much. So the speed of the game is very fast. And if you're having a five, six, seven minute match in Nogi, I mean, people are just going at it. And to your point, trailer, like that, that stimulus is hard to recreate when you're by yourself. And so if you are interested in getting better at CrossFit or if you're looking to improve your overall conditioning, not necessarily strength, but definitely technical capacity and, and conditioning, I think grappling and jujitsu is a great art for that. Um, so I guess to kind of highlight that, Chandler, if someone was just doing jujitsu and they weren't doing any form of CrossFit, what lifts, what type of things do you think people should be doing off the mat to enhance their on-mat performance? This goes for wrestlers or jujitsu athletes. What would you have them do if the tables were turned? So you train twice a week and you do CrossFit, I imagine almost every day. What if you were doing jujitsu every day and you were looking to add in some
1: strength condition? So for jujitsu conditioning, I think the best thing you can do is burpees, uh, that simulated, uh, movement of doing a, doing a sprawl. It's almost practice. Um, but you can also, I think burpees more than, if you consider them, some folks consider them gymnastics Some folks consider them monostructural, I think it kind of bridges the gap, but you can replicate burpees. Like you can do burpees for days and days on end. If you run for days and days on end, um, you might experience maybe some over overuse in, injuries, but, um, and I know you can do burpees for days on end because I've done it in, in high school and college, right? You just do burpee after burpee all the time for uh, conditioning. And I think that's super useful. So I I've, I've, will normally recommend uh, mixing that in with a, a certain amount of structural movement that, or like if you have an implement, if you have a rower row and do some burpees for 20 to 30 minutes. If you have a bike, bike and do it. Uh, but that's always my recommendation for jujitsu folks who want to throw some conditioning in. And then for lifting, um, I think, there's not, you get a lot of positional strength, um, and the muscle endurance. So that what well, by doing jujitsu, but I think that leaves a gap for like building top end muscular strength. So I'd say, if you have one movement, um, go for, go for squat cleans. If you have the chance to do two, then I'd have folks squat clean and strict press. And you have a chance to do three and have them do power cleans, um, keep the strict presses and then throw front squats in there. Um, I, I don't think you throw in a ton, a ton of overload with, uh, back squats. If you're primarily a jujitsu person, Gordon will talk about it, uh, talks about this too, where like he wants to actively keep his legs, uh, smaller for throwing triangles and things like that. Um, so the, I guess the responses you get from back squats, like super, super heavy back squats where you're adding on, um, mass because you're dealing with that, that level of weights, like that might not be optimal, but, um, having that that strength and, um, in the front rack and kind of, I think that works your, works both sides of your body a little bit more than just a straight up back squat. I think that carries over well. I think you get some explosive work in with, um, either the clean variations and there's no better way to build upper body strength than strict press. And that's also the one that's most easily scalable and brought to different circumstances. You don't need to bring a bench out. You can just take the, the bar from the ground and go into strict press. So those are my exercise in order. That's really,
0: um, that's really cool. I, I mean, I think that's really interesting feedback. I mean, I would definitely agree with you on the power clean. Um, I actually really like your insight on the front squat. Um, first off, I think it really works that front rack position opens up the lats, uh, which I think is important. It, it, it utilizes a little bit more quad dominancy gets a little bit more well rounded approach and you could dump it really easy if you're by yourself or when You don't have to worry about dumping it behind the back, but you're right. Gordon does talk about keeping your legs a little bit smaller. And I think um, I had never really thought about that way front squat, slightly different load than a back squat. So that's 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 great feedback. Um, So we talk about your 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 splitting the um, the jujitsu days and the CrossFit days. Now, are you competing um, coming up here in in about a month at the Invitational?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. So you're competing there. I'm gonna be doing the, like a, a legends exhibition. I have no idea what, what that. We exactly. have to roll, we have to get a roll in then. Dude, I am nervous to get one in, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. We got to start on the ground though. So the rules are, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We should we should definitely do a roll. Um, I know if you're competing, we got to work that out. But, um, but I think that it's really interesting talking about the grappling arts and then this. So I want to talk about your transition from being the army full-time where I imagine you received some type of pay or uh, of course you received pay, but it was very structured. You knew where you were going in the future, right? If you put in this many years, you went from this title to this title, you received this pay to this pay. This is your X, Y, Z. You go from a very structured background in college and in the military to then a very unstructured background, right? Where you're a professional CrossFit athlete, who then um, essentially has an agent or whatnot who's trying to get sponsorship dollars. How's that transition been? Cause it's literally night and day between, or, or am I mistaken in terms of the structure?
1: So with the Comp Train Academy, we are paid to be um, like to, to work out for CompTrain, which okay. is awesome. That definitely helps um, helps with you know, just getting day-to-day things done. I think the sponsorship side is something that I am still learning to navigate a little bit because that is, uh, you weren't, with my last job with USEREC, we actually weren't allowed to have sponsorships because we were doing fitness for the Army um, amongst our recruiting duties and everything, so that ended up taking like I had to kind of start over again and get back, getting back into social. I'm not a huge social guy. I'm very like I'm, I'm not super good at that. Uh, so it, it's definitely been a, a learning curve and trying to figure that like when you switch in the middle of the season, um, I think it's just hard to you're, you're building the plane as it's taken off versus now that I've had some time to reflect on what went right this last year, what went wrong and everything. I think I can maybe hope that my second year of competing as a civilian or my first full year of competing as a civilian is has a little bit more balance to it since I had no idea what that was like. I've been in the army or in some form since I was 17 years old. So learning how to be an adult outside of the army is a big task on its own, but learning how to do that while also trying to compete and everything is, um, there's just a lot of lessons to be learned, so I'm still trying to figure them all out.
0: Yeah, and so you got the Rogue Invitational coming up and you have the Open coming up, and so you're obviously focused on that from from a crossing competition. Now, I also, again, uh, perhaps I'm incorrect here, but you do want to train for the ADCC, is that correct? Yeah,
1: yeah. So the ADCC Trial, Northeast Trials, are actually going the week after Rogue. Uh, and yeah, it'll be a fun... And then the week after that, uh, hopefully I'll be in Abu Dhabi for Rich's competition, which is... I, I don't know. I think that's part of... You talked about, like... Or I was talking about kind of like... It's a part of my edge. Like, coming up, I was always driving everywhere and being on the road a lot and doing a bunch of different stuff. Um, and part of me, I think, thrives off of being in these semi like high pressure situations where you're gonna you gotta adapt from one thing to another and you're kind of always moving around everything but yeah those are it'll be a very busy month in november so you know i i, I
0: don't know if um people listening caught what you just said so just to kind of highlight there is a special adcc competition going on this weekend in austin texas um which is like was like an invite event but what you're referring to so the abc adcc is the abu dhabi championship it's a nogi uh, event it's it used to originally be held in Abu Dhabi, but since then they've transferred it around. This year it is being held in Vegas um, it, next year, right? 2022, is that correct? Uh, sometime
1: in yes. Vegas? Yes, yeah.
0: And I think what's really interesting coming, you know, you're actually talking about competing at the highest level in CrossFit followed by competing in almost the highest level in Jiu-Jitsu right after. um, You know, you have the... Rogue Invitational, which is one of the most highest, you know, most challenging events, followed by the qualification process for ADCC, which is the, essentially the World Championships of Jiu-Jitsu for Nogi. And then you're going to Abu Dhabi to go compete again. I mean, dude, that's, that's really remarkable. I, I cannot wait to see how you perform at these, because if you could go out there and perform the way I hope you can and think you can, I mean, that's a huge story to tell, man,
1: that, that the transferability is awesome. Yeah, I think there is a high degree of transferability, but you, you touched on something earlier, which I thought was super cool um, with the, the three things that you want every person to feel when they come and they finish the workout. Um, and that first point is having fun. And I also think as a pro, there's less, and I, I am super, I don't want this to ever sound like I'm not grateful of a position. I'm super grateful to be where I'm at, get a chance, but it, I think, anything done at a professional level, you have to focus on the weaknesses and things you don't like so much that it does get to be a little mm. less fun. Um, cause you know, when you're coming up, if you, you can just, you can kind of select the workouts or for, if I was just doing CrossFit for fun, I would never do another wall ball again. But ironically, those are the things that I need to do the most. Um, so it is fun to, I would never do those. another pistol again. If I never, yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, everybody's got like their thing, but you know, if you want to compete, you have to be good and uh, be very, very like those moves have to be just as good as your other ones. So that's like less fun, but I've always found the learning um, which is that, that third point you said that I get from jujitsu as well as the fun part. Like those are kind of constant there because it is low pressure. If I show up and I get submitted in 20 seconds, like who cares? It's you're just doing this for fun. Um, anyways, it's very low pressure. No sponsors are going to be upset or anything like that. It's, it's actually just for fun. Um, and that's a good balance, I think, to um, the the cross the, the functional fitness side of things where it's, it's a lot more serious now because it is my job and my ability to continue to do this as, as a job is totally predicated on if I am good or if I'm not. I think that's super insightful, that when you,
0: you know, cause you're training, it's like uh, you have to have something outside of your, cause you're training, 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 training. And you have this other thing where there's less pressure, more fun, and you're learning. And so it's filling a gap or a void yeah. that you've had that you that you that you need to fill. Um, and I think that's just cool that you've at least found that one. I wonder for how many pro crossfit athletes. I wonder how many would extend their, or, or for any athlete, I wonder how many athletes would extend their career path if they spent a little time thinking about those things, like you just said, and maybe you're just a unique breed where you could do both. But um, I think there's a huge carryover between the two. And I hope that we see more CrossFit athletes transfer into the grappling arts, whether that be wrestling or jujitsu. I, I don't, I don't think they don't, they don't know what they don't know. Once they feel and, and, and see what, what can be done, I think they'll be inspired to keep going. And when you could go back and, and if you can give any advice for someone who's interested in trying because now Sean, it's just me preaching. There's two two people here, you know, sharing. Yeah. What What would you say? How would you get started? Because as you said, there's a lot. There's a big learning curve. So how would you get started if if you were someone new to um, grappling or jujitsu, but maybe you've been doing CrossFit and strength conditioning for a really long time?
1: Um, I think first you have to start with the mindset thing and acknowledge that even if you are. The world's most amazing CrossFitter that does not carry over, and you can be stronger and faster at running, or you know more fit um, in, from a cardio sense. But if you don't know the move set, um, it's going to take you a long time to catch up. So it starts with mentally acknowledging that, like it's a it's a journey. And I know that sounds you know kind of goofy to say, but like you won't you can't master Jiu Jitsu. You can't turn around in two years and be one of the best Jiu Jitsu folks in You can't do that for CrossFit now um, either, but just, I think that coming into it with patience and not treating it like you treat, uh, CrossFit, like if you're coming from CrossFit and CrossFit is a competitive outlet for you, then maybe, um, and I really liked how you said that maybe Jitsu fills kind of one or whatever your other hobby is fills the, those other groups, like say you're still having a ton of fun with fitness and you're learning a lot, but you're not competitive. Well, maybe you could work to be competitive in Jiu but I wouldn't try to make it the same thing that your other hobby is because whatever whatever that your your other hobby is it's, it's different right like and you're coming into it a different place so just accept it for what it is and if you could do that mentally more than likely you have the physical stuff if you're if you're choosing to do hard things in a crossfit gym or you're choosing to do hard things on the mats um, that mindset kind of carries over so you have the the physicality because you're actively seeking out physical challenges, that part's already there, but just being able to separate the two things and um, enjoy them for what they are because they're not going to be the same.
0: Yeah, the, the ability to seek out discomfort, I think it sounds like something that you've been doing since you were a really young kid, um, and obviously starting in high school and then going into college. Um, that discomfort that you get from training on the mat, training when you're in the weight room and whatnot, I mean, What type of uh, carryover have you seen off the mat in your life? Like the lessons that have learned, what lessons do you see carry over between CrossFit training and on the mat? And then which ones do you not, which ones are just can only be done on the mat or can only be done in CrossFit? Like lessons learned from the, from the grit and the hard work that you put on the mat.
1: I think any, um, any problem can be solved with enough want to. Um, so you can, I was not a hyper technical wrestler and that'll only take you so far, but I I ended up, I got the chance to go and hang out with the national team camp when I was in the army in 2017. I'd say that was like probably like the peak of my wrestling career. And that's just from a sport that I'd started 10 years earlier. And it's not because I, like, I, I didn't figure out how to do moves better than somebody else, but I was like, if I get really strong and really fit, and I can cut a crap ton of weight, which was another thing I I like doing. Um, If I could do those things, then it'll overcome, it'll overcompensate for these other things. Similarly, like I think you could do that for fitness. Like you might come into um, fitness as a super strong or super fit athlete, but it's very unlikely that you come in with, you know, the ability to do everything well. So if you, sometimes if you double down on the skills that you have, it's enough to Compensate for the ones that you don't, and you you can't always. You can work on developing those skills that you don't have, but if you don't have them, sometimes you just don't have them. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you're you're toast. There, you might have super long arms. It's like oh, you're you're going to be bad at handstand pushups, but maybe you can be strong enough that you're you're able to build your endurance up through being hyper strong or some such. There's there's always a workaround, um, and I think you really learned that from wrestling. Uh, similarly, though, I think there's a and American wrestling culture, I think probably the primary distinction from jujitsu culture is like how much grinding and how everything needs to be hard and all out. Um, and that, and there is a time to go easy if you're doing zone two training or something like that. Is how fitness is built. And um, some in some respects, but if you approach everything with this uh, all out all the time attitude, or you you do the first round of a metcon, you know, completely guns blazing. Um, you're not going to reach your ultimate success point there, but I feel like there's a lot of that, that I learned in, um, wrestling culture that I had to unlearn. You got to save those moments to, um, kind of go all out. Cause if you go all out all the time. You won't have that reserve to call upon when you need it. So ironically, that's the greatest benefit, but also the other end of that is probably one of the things that doesn't carry over the most. If That makes any sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dude, I'm super excited to watch you at the Rogue Invitational. And then what color is your hair going to be?
1: You know, rock it like that? Um, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be blonde. I wanted to have the blonde at the games, but I wasn't. Feel, I was like, I might not be fit enough to have, uh, <laughs> have blonde hair out here. And if uh, I didn't want people to be like, wow, that guy's getting his butt kicked in. His hair is blonde. Oh. That's that's giving him too much ammo. But I feel if the confidence is high, then I'll it'll probably still be blonde going into Rogue. Dude, so uh, a training partner of mine for a long
0: time was Neil Maddox. And he would dye his hair different colors uh, for different events. And I remember the first time I met him, we were at at like a sanctional. This was like years and years ago. And I wanna say his hair was uh, bleached blonde and he had an orange X because his gym name was uh, Extreme uh, Athletics, right? Um, And so it was like X for Extreme Athletics. And from that day on, he always had different type of hair for a while, and then eventually he he stopped doing it. But it just uh, and it was just reminding me him and I had some great great throwdowns together. Man, we had we had
1: some really good times. Um, I I came up came up watching him, which was super cool to to see. It's cool to hear you even talk about it now. It's like a real full circle moment because this is the type of thing that coming up starting CrossFit, I never would have imagined that I would be get the chance to hear you tell the story about Neil Maddox a decade oh, later. Like it's you way was, too cool you know not think about Neil
0: Maddox that guy would kick my ass every day in the gym every single day I mean I probably out of I mean him and I probably had I mean we probably threw down I mean I don't know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of workouts and he just he had such god-given talent I mean his strength and his conditioning was just unparalleled and um anyways I I, I have nothing but good things to say about his his physical capabilities because he was a beast. But, um, I want to ask you now, are you regularly training with partners um, at CrossFit New England or do you train on your own a lot?
1: Uh, with, with partners. So we have at, at CrossFit New England, Sam Quant, Amanda Barnhart. Uh, Katrin is normally here, but she's, um, she's in Iceland for until Rogue. And uh, Emma Gardner is there as well, one of our younger athletes. So we train together every day, which is awesome to have like a group of folks around. I'm definitely a person who thrives with training um, with other people. But even in the last month before we got together, I was training with my girlfriend. Like I don't train by myself if I can help it pretty much at any point in time.
0: And uh, so on that note, I'm curious your thoughts. I actually asked Noah Olson the same question. Um, When you train with someone else, let's just say it's Samuel Quant. And you, let's just say you outperform him, right? Um, Does it give you a false impression of how well you're doing um, versus if you were by yourself, do you think you would have pushed a little bit harder had you not been outperforming someone else in the gym and vice versa, by the way, right? Maybe you just keep getting your butt kicked and it starts breaking you down mentally. Is there that side of it? Or the pros still outweigh the cons of training by yourself. You still think you get a much better push training with
1: other partners. I definitely get a better push with partners. I know there's some people who can be on their own. And I think for some, maybe for some machine things, if it's just me versus the number on the screen um, I can do that by myself pretty well because I I have, have, have so much experience with those type of things that I know that if I need to hold a 144 for a PR, like nothing else matters and I can't do any better or any, like I, I can't magically pull out a 135 out of my hat, you know, for right. something like that. Um, so for, for that stuff, uh, maybe I work better on my own, but especially with the group dynamic that we have, I think something that makes that super useful is that everyone has their thing. Uh, I'm good at something different than what Sam's good at, is different than like what Amanda's good at, is different than what Kat's good at. So because of that, there's, more than likely, statistically speaking, more than likely the workout is what one of those other folks is going to be pushing you in the workout and you want to do what you can to close that gap because you know that that gap doesn't just exist within the room. It exists with whoever the best person in the world. So sometimes the best person in the world is in the room with you for that workout, but um, it it's a good reminder to of how hard you have to work to try and even stay close. I might not ever beat Sam on a rowing workout, but I know that if I'm chasing him and Going all out to like try and stay close. Whenever I go against the best folks in the world, if he's a top five guy in CrossFit for that, uh, I will be that much closer to whoever that number one guy is because I decided to go after him in that workout. Just an example. So I'm really grateful for. That and day. do you guys do
0: the same workouts on a regular basis, or do you have your own separate program you do outside of that? Is it like one workout a day you guys do together, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, it's it's about one workout a day that we do together. Uh, today was two for so for example, today we ran some mile, um, repeats, but again, that's, that's more me against the clock because, uh, you know, maybe Amanda's faster than I am. So if she's, she's got her numbers that she needs to hit, I got my numbers. I need to hit not super worried. It's just, you're, you're doing it in a group. And then we did a Metcon, um, together. It's actually a really fun, one. 10 rounds, three thrusters, 185 slash 135, and then three bar muscle ups just back and forth. And so for something like that, where the answer hasn't been developed yet because with, with every Metcon, right? Like you could tweak one thing and all of a sudden it's a new workout that no one's ever done. Um, uh, the best performance for that particular test, at least that you know of is going to happen in that room. So you're either going to be the best performance by pushing as hard as you can to get your best score, or you're chasing the best performance. So, um, that's like all the motivation you could possibly have at least and it's for cool to have girls in there too. Are you guys now, when you guys do
0: like this workout today, because you guys adjust the load, um mm-hmm. is it actually pretty even between
1: girls and guys on a regular basis it definitely is although i will say uh specifically whenever we're at 165 115 uh cat and amanda are and they're they're both crazy fit they finished okay, way of course. Higher than yeah, yeah, yeah. sam and i did this year but um we will lose those by miles uh if that that particular weight gives us fits but normally it's like it's kind of close the girls definitely win more than than we do but um it's, they do a good job of adjusting the workouts and the, the loads and everything to make sure that everyone's getting a push, um, across both sexes.
0: Dude, I love it, man. I, I'm, dude, I'm super excited to watch how your career continues to develop. Obviously your background is really unique. And I love the fact that you combine the grappling arts with CrossFit, especially at your high level. It just goes to show like that you can be a little bit more versatile in the way you train. I think traditionally in CrossFit, we think about this box and it's, and it's pretty wide, right? You got to swim, you got to bike, you got to run, especially as you get ready for the CrossFit games, but no one really talks about, uh, you know, grappling as a piece of that training and the benefits that it could carry over. So I hope more people will start to explore it. Um, you said you want to expand some of your social reach or at least get a little bit more active on it. Um, for anybody who wants to kind of follow your journey and get you, you know, um, the rogue invitationals coming up, uh, October 28th, 29th, I believe it's something around there. Um, yeah, that's the next competition I'm coming up. Where's the best place to keep up with how you're doing, what you're doing, and uh, the ABCC trials? Yeah.
1: Um, so if you want to learn how I'm doing and prep for that, come to South Boston Jiu Jitsu out uh, here. That's where that's where I've been training Tuesdays and Thursdays normally. Um, so that's if that's I don't put up a ton of Jiu Jitsu stuff because I recognize most of my people are like, what is this? That's, I followed him. So, cause he does crossfit. Cause put he it, up, put it up. around every now and then I'll put some on there, but maybe I need to do some more of that. And then, uh, if you want to keep up with me, the honest answer is that's too bad because I don't update my Instagram enough, but, uh, I guess Instagram, I'm blacksmith with three F's because of a joke that was funny 10 years ago. And it's too late to change it now. So I, that's my handle, I guess. Okay. Stuff. Sounds
0: good. We'll have that all on the show. And, um, Hey, I, Last thing, I have a question for you. If you roll jujitsu with someone, do you feel weird putting out that video online because it's more of like a friendly rolling session? So if you put up a part where maybe the other person is dominant, then that makes you look bad. If you put up a part where you're dominant, it kind of makes you look like a jerk because you're putting them on blast when you're in a training session. Is it weird for you to put up
1: jujitsu training sessions? Because it's weird for me. I I definitely understand that part, but I also... I think my confidence. So with CrossFit, because it's not over yet, I I always feel like I'm trying to. There's a part of me that still feels like I haven't proved myself for for CrossFit. So, um, you know, you always want to put your best foot forward. But for rolling and stuff, like I I went I went pretty far. I'm proud of what I did. Like I think I, I there, there's no part of me that feels shame. So I put up a lot more videos of me losing or getting beat up um, than I do other stuff. This. I think I put up a video of me hitting, like, a double leg um, a couple of weeks ago. It's just maybe one of the, like, few times that I put up something where, like, I'm doing something good because I also – it is, like, kind of disrespectful to just, like, put someone on blast. But, yeah, I have no problem self-deprecating because I know I know how good I am at, at rolling. So and hopefully everybody else will too at ADCC.
0: Yeah, man. I love it. All right, brother. Well, thank you for your time. I hope you have a great night, great day, and uh, keep training hard, man. Get after it.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me, Jason. I appreciate it.